have some fun topics for you all today. Uh, welcome to another Continuing Conversations. I'm Michael Dismuke, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG, along with being the lead writer on Captain's Log and a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek RPG. And uh, before I introduce our, our other co-hosts, I have to say I have two special little co-hosts today, which I got to show off because Ryan and uh, Nair and Kavura from Starpod Logs were nice enough because i'm into captain's log to send me my own custom momentum oh, i did it the other way momentum and threat that are spock and gorn so now these sit on the table with me when i do my solo rpg and i just love i mean the fun is just so happy all right with that jim johnson <laughs> that's so cool i love our fans i know i'm our so happy our fans are the best. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the Captain's Log solo RPG, both published by Modiphius Entertainment. Love these many years. Also co-host on this here show with Michael Dismuke. And uh, my 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 friend tonight is not anywhere near as cool as Michael's, but I, I have to do a little plug here because uh, we recently wrapped up an a interview with uh, Aaron Harvey. Right. And, and we wrapped up that whole sh that whole show about the uh, the animated series. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation, Aaron revealed that he had a glomer. Right. He had a plush glomer. So I had to go buy one. So I have a plush glomer. You got the plush glomer. Oh, and, man. And the, and the glomer can actually eat tribbles. And the tribble is is, of course, because it's the animated series. It's pink. Oh. <laughs> it's a pink trivel. <laughs> so, Brilliant. Michael, I think yours are way cooler. But I don't I had, know about I that. My, I had to get my plush glomer because it's so cute and so so ridiculous. And it's my mm. happy memory of working on that that hugely awesomely fun uh, animated series product. So uh, that's my little my little guest for for tonight. But I more envy, importantly, I envy you. <laughs> yeah. More importantly, we have a super awesome guest star on the show with us tonight. Merrick, introduce yourself. Oh, and I think this might be the first time first you've been time, on the show. First time so, on the show. As is our custom, we will ask you to introduce yourself, of course, plug whatever you want to plug. Uh, but then you've also got to tell us uh, who your favorite Star Trek captain is and also which is your favorite Star Trek series. And if you want to expound on why, more than welcome to. Oh, goodness. Coming hard out of the gate. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, hello. Uh, I am Merrick Moyer. My pronouns are he, him. Um I am a game master on a Twitch channel and YouTube channel called uh, Skyhammer Press. We did a podcast for five seasons called Massive Damage Adventures, where we did a whole bunch of one shots. Um, every episode was a different game with a different cast of players. We had a pool of like 50 players. And at the beginning of the year, we would... Um, we put a list of the games that we were going to play and then everybody would, you know, bid on which ones they wanted to be in. We recorded a podcast and the whole idea was just like, there's so many great TTRPGs out there and we want to play them all. So, and, and introduce other people to them, get them playing them. And so, um, I actually, I played Star Trek adventures off uh in my home games and so on and of course it made the podcast and it was a wonderful game and the uh the players wanted to keep playing it and we played another couple of sessions of that 
Uh, I did a Star Trek Adventures actual play on Twitch a couple years ago called Shadows and Starlight, mm-hmm. where we did nine episodes, and uh, that was a West Marches style. Uh, have you either have either of you ever played West Marches games? No, please no. expand no. on yeah, expand on that for our fans. Okay, so West Marches, the idea is that there is a shared world with a large group of players. So it kind of built itself on its own from our podcast. But the game master plans out a whole bunch of story hooks and, you know, puts it on like a on a board in a tavern or something. And then players will look at those and say, we want to do that. Let's schedule a game with the game master for this night and go and do it. And you'll like gather your group of people and go out and do the adventure and it and it updates the world. And then a different group of players will be like, oh, we wanted that one. Well, we'll take this one and we'll go on this night. Can we play then? And so it's this kind of like shared evolving world of like a couple of tables of TTRPGs. I thought Star Trek ensemble show perfect for this. And so I had people create characters that were the bridge crew, that were ensigns, crewmen, all sorts of stuff. And they would just, you know, pick one of the hooks that I had put out. We did nine episodes of it. And I also tied it in with um, uh, The Darkest House by Monty Cook Games as a haunted holodeck uh, program. So we had that kind of story going through while also having a whole bunch of one shots. It was so much awesome. fun. It was really, really cool. Did you create a lot of Star Trek Adventure super fans through that? I hope so. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> hope like so. You would have. Uh, but yeah, so I do a lot of uh, a lot of streaming. Um, this year, I've really tried to do a lot of freelance writing. So I've done a bunch of adventures for Acton Cthulhu. Uh, I've done a couple of things for which Acton Cthulhu, also by Modiphius and also in 2D20. Um, and I've done a couple of things for The Expanse. Um, None of which are out. <laughs> yeah, those those are really cool. I I can say that I did an adventure in a book that hasn't come out yet, and I am doing and I have done a Trades of the Expanse PDF that also has not been announced yet. Um, well, you just did. <laughs> no, I mean they know it's coming. I just can't say what it was about. Okay, okay, okay. Good. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay, that's that, go, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and and um, one of the other things we do is we do an Expanse um, actual play called Hellbreakers. That's uh, between seasons right now. So we're just doing a bunch of fun one shots and uh, amazing. And amazing. So on. And now, now the question: your favorite captain or character, and your favorite show? Yeah, uh, you know it's funny. I was looking around like, what do I have around my desk that's Star Trek that I could show, and I don't. So I'll just have to do a Mandalorian. <laughs> what curses? <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh goodness. Okay. Immediately, first gut reaction for favorite captain is Cisco. Um, I love him so much. And growing up, Picard was my favorite. But as an adult, Cisco is everything that I want to be as a person, as a father. Like I, I love him. I had to get the Cisco quote for my captain's log copy <laughs> um and ds yeah <laughs> and so ds9 definitely has that kind of like place in my heart as one of my favorite series but i probably still have to just barely give it to voyager because it was the thing that i rushed home from to watch 
Yeah. Where I was like, you know what? It's on like 15 minutes after I'm out of school. I got to run home and get there to watch an episode of Voyager. Mm -hmm. Although I will say I am so super proud to finally say I have watched all of the original series and the animated series in order. I finally achieved it. Yay. Just like last week. Gold star for you. I want to hear something. Yeah. You said something about Cisco and uh, being a father. I, I happen to know, you know, your dad. And and so uh, what, what about that? Can you expand a little bit on that? What yeah. about what he did? I'll, sh- I'll show you what I got for Father's Day this year. Oh, that's a good one. There's me and my kids. Oh, oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. My wife's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. She got that made for me. Anyway. Exactly. Cool. Um, what I love about Cisco as a dad is really two things. I love how he communicates to Jake through through family and cooking, like that that connection that he has with his dad and like just being this presence, like let's have family dinners and let me show you this stuff that's come from our family. I love that aspect that I hadn't seen in Star Trek before. And I also like the journey that we see Cisco take over the seasons of DS9, where at the beginning, he's like, Jake, you're going to be in Starfleet. You're going to be just like me, and we're going to have a great time. But Jake starts to grow up, doesn't want to do that. And Cisco, he's not great with it at first, but he grows into it. And then he's just so proud of his son. And I'm like, man, if I can be half as understanding to my kids as they grow up, I'll be very proud. Mm -hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Very good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So our topic today, which we've invited you on the show, Merrick, to talk about, <clears throat> has to do, we're calling it Beyond the Bridge. So this, we've myself and Jim have been getting a lot of different um, suggestions from super fans over social media and during the uh, 100th episode um, that, that by the time this airs would have already come out um uh so so one of them was about developing characters beyond the bridge and maybe jim you know talk to uh in framing this conversation you know star trek adventures is not just about pew pew and photon torpedo phaser battles and all that um why do you think that this is so relevant if people are going to really understand how good star trek adventures can be uh, playing beyond the bridge (laughs) So uh, before I answer that question, Michael, are we going to go for the game master perspective or the player perspective, or are we going to do a little bit of both? Both. A little bit of both, okay. for sure. Yep. All right. So in in my opinion, and, and you know, only because my opinion is fueled by 30-odd years of Star Trek RPGing, variety of systems, homebrews, et cetera. I've, I've been playing Star Trek a long time. I love Star Trek as a setting, as an IP, as, a, as an RPG-like thing to do, right? And I think um, if I had to put boil it down succinctly, Star Trek RPGs at their finest, in my opinion, again, only my opinion, not Modiphius, is a soap opera, right? It's a soap opera. And in an RPG, you get to do stuff at the table with your friends that you would never see on the TV screen because there's not enough time. There's not enough budget. They got to catch to the chase. They've got to do the pew pew and the action and the stuff in 45 minutes along with the commercials to make you watch more. Right. But at, at the game table, you can do so much more than that. Right. You can, you can, you can have entire sessions that are just subplots. Right. Like if you think of the episode, next gen episode, um, uh, family, right. They don't go to the bridge at all in that one episode. That was the only episode of the, actually it might be, one of two. I think I think that episode where Picard 
uh, was the only guy left on the ship when they were trying to steal it during the the Baryon sweep. Um, he, they, we may not may not have seen the bridge there, but anyway, family, uh, you don't see the bridge, and so that was like basically a subplot episode, right? And and it was like it was like a one off special thing that they did for next gen because they did they knew they couldn't get away with it on more than one occasion, right? <laughs> but in an RPG, you can totally get away with it anytime you want right and and you have to understand that in an rpg and i'll and i'll stop here in an rpg your characters are always doing more things than just being on the bridge or going on the away team or doing the adventure or whatever right the, all that interstitial stuff that happens either between scenes or between missions you can do in an rpg and be totally satisfied and do it so i'll stop there merrick what's your opinion um it immediately makes me think of how lower decks pokes fun at it like, especially in the first season of Lower Decks, where they're like, oh, the bridge crew are doing their poetry reading. They're doing this. They're doing that. And like all of those like side things. Mm-hmm. And I love layering those on. And I think that around an RPG table, you get to know the characters more when players get to just do those silly things and be like, yeah, my character is really into Xenobotany. Check out this plant I got. And then as a game master, you got this beautiful pool of threat sitting right there. And you're like, we're going to see how this goes. And as soon as it slows down, I'll just spend two threat and the plant eats, eats somebody. <laughs> like, I, I think that there's so many opportunities to go on those really fun tangents with your friends and just like joke about silly stuff. And then as a game master, like complicate it, make it memorable. Yeah. I mean, one of our team's favorite episodes involved the cooking competition. There was no violence. Uh, while one of the group was getting a massage and having a funny experience, getting a massage. Um, uh, other ones were touring a museum that, uh, was focused on this cre- this culture's exceptionalism, um, and they were having kind of a philosophical debate with their tour guide about that. And then the rest were preparing for a cooking. So a bunch of lower deckers were preparing for a cooking competition as their contribution to first contact because this is what this this culture did. And it was gonna. I, I initially I was like, okay, I'm gonna plan some action here, but we ended up getting into all these people's backgrounds and sociology, mm. and they started making up stories, even about massage experiences on other planets, yeah. you know, in the Alpha Quadrant. That that they still say that ranks as one of their favorite episodes. Exactly. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Star Trek allows for that. Yep, mm-hmm. Star Trek allows for that, and, and, and you know, in a way, you can do you can get away with it a little bit in in novel writing. Um, but I think RPGs are really unique, uniquely suited to where, it, you know, especially if you have a good group of people that are willing to go along with these kind of things, because they know they'll get their chance in the spotlight too. Um, do the deep dive, do the deep dive into the characters, add in those layers, add in those nuances, look at your character sheet, bring in those focuses that you haven't been using much lately. <laughs> yeah. Make up some hobbies, do some cool stuff and and just see what happens you know just 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 riff off of each other in in game in character and uh and just see what happens you know let's mm-hmm. let's give some advice then for game masters what what your, what's your advice for making room for players to do that i'd say tell them up front like don't surprise people at the table night of like a week before say hey you know next session's going to be pretty chill so uh just think about what your character might be doing around the ship. Because if you sit down and everybody's expecting you to be down to a planet and do some hard negotiating or, or phaser fights, 
they're not going to be ready to have the spa day episode, but you know, let, let them prepare a little bit and then they're going to have a lot more fun. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you don't necessarily have to do an entire episode or an entire session on just like subplot stuffs. One of the things I like to do a lot is I would um, exactly what you were saying, America is I would reach out to my group a, a week or two before the set or, you know, at some, some period of time prior to the session and say, Hey, I want somebody to open up the next episode with a day in the life scene. You do, you see this mm-hmm. all the time on next gen and DS nine. And you'd like, there's always a, somebody doing something random day in the life type mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, it has nothing to do with their job, has nothing to do with anything other than just a, a passion project or just something they're getting into. So I'll say, hey, everybody, prepare something that your character is up to that we can use as a lead into the next episode. If somebody volunteers to be the first scene, go for it. If you have good players like I did, they will be rabid to to volunteer to be the first one into the spotlight. Right. Sometimes the quieter ones will need a little bit of nudging, which is fine. I, I'm I'm that kind of player myself. Um, and um, just give them an opportunity to do something completely atypical for, for a Star Trek show. And like, you want to open up in the botany lab doing your pet project? Go, oh, yeah, let's do it. And then maybe I'll spend a little threat and, or maybe I'll just bring in an NPC, right? Maybe there's an NPC on their team that they have been butting heads with. And that's a perfect opportunity to kind of like give them a moment for that nice little scene and then bring in that NPC, get a little tension going, see what happens, play the scene out and then, you know, see what happens next. So, uh, but yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, give your players an opportunity to to prepare. I think uh, some players work really well in the moment and off the cuff, but I think a lot of players really like to have a little bit of preparation time and time to think and and, and get ease into it as opposed to just being like immediately on the spot. Yeah, I like creating HR issues. So because we, we all know how it works. They're so fun, right? And you can't really do what you want to do at work with HR issues. So I'll create a jerk character or an uncomfortable situation or have them catch one of the characters acting inappropriately. And that creates an interesting tension. Um, and then if I can, if I can do it with the game, if the game lends itself <clears throat> As the action starts later on, I try to bring that character back in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes you're you have a jerk you have to work with, and sometimes things get really bad, and the job has to get done, and that jerk is still there. You still got to work with them, right? Yeah. So I love creating those real HR situations early on, um, mm-hmm. beyond the bridge, and then you know play it into the game. That's mm-hmm. that's given me a really fun idea because I'm actually running a uh, a lower deck Shackleton expanse. Okay. Um, campaign right now and the players have really taken a dislike to one of the npcs like they really don't like her <laughs> and so i'm just like i love uh, it yeah i could do mm. yeah keep using it <laughs> yeah i have a, i have a holodeck program a holo, holographic character that everyone hates but one of the characters loves and <laughs> and she's sentient too so that doesn't help um and even when there's no action going on the minute she's in the scene, people think something's about to blow up. And I just love having that tension. So when she shows up in an episode, people are like, oh, no, this isn't a Salomon Magic episode, is it? You know, it's kind of our Moriarty. So and uh, mm. I, I was going to go badgy. <laughs> oh, that, now that's an action episode. Um, I want to say, too, <laughs> excuse me, that Lower Decks, the book, um, I know that when tasked to write that by Jim, um, we were focused on what is life like for the mundane. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and what's interesting is we were writing it, we found there's really nothing mundane, <laughs> <laughs> especially not as a lower decker where you could be called into action, you know, at any moment. But it was fun exploring that if people want ideas on what life is like when you're not on the bridge. I mean, that book is really dedicated to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, your team did such an incredible job with the lower decks book. Like, um, I have non Star Trek fans who want to play Star Trek adventures because of lower decks and because of the lower decks book. Mm. And it's just, it's become that even more accessible way to get into the, the setting and the, and the hobby. And it's just really cool that way. Like humor, humor plays and you guys did a great job. Yeah, I think I think humor plays. And I think one of the other nice things about Lower Decks, just in general, not specifically the book, but um, it's a way to ease people into the franchise who may not be all that familiar with it. Because you're a junior officer, there's only so much you can screw up. You're not responsible for a lot. You're not responsible for making all the big decisions. You're not the captain. You're not the XO. You don't have to deal with that whole power dynamic necessarily. You're all junior schlubs reporting to the senior officers. So you can kind of go out there and you and you can you can be comfortable. And you know, players aren't always comfortable doing it, but you you can be willing to make mistakes and to learn from them because you're a junior officer. You're expected yeah. to make mistakes because you're at the beginning of your career. You may be brilliant because you've graduated from Starfleet Academy. Um, but, uh, I, I think, um, I don't think, you know, Michael, re, 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 uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, I, I may be misremembering. Um, but I feel like when we were developing the lower decks book somewhere along, somewhere in the development cycle, we realized that it was going to be another on-ramp in a lot of ways into the into the game and into the franchise because because I mean it's not a core book in, in and of itself, but it 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 fits really nicely with the core book and, and playing a junior officer or a um a, what is it? it's not veteran, it's not experienced, it's uh what uh Untapped, untapped potential. Untapped potential. Right. Mm-hmm. All the lower deckers have untapped potential. Right. And so it's an easy way to get people into it. It's like, you don't know, you don't know much about Star Trek. That's okay. What do you want to do on the ship? Do you want to be the pilot? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a scientist? You know, just get those basic roles figured out and then you're off and running. So yeah, um, yeah, well, good I- stuff. Yeah, and I think that really meshed with Starfleet Academy, uh, the Michael Duxbury's Starfleet Academy Mission oh, Brief yeah. Pack Two, mm-hmm. which lets you start without all your finished stats. And to mm-hmm. me, if I had to go back and had really everyone didn't know um, what it is, you know, to play Star Trek, or if I had a group of teenagers, I know some of our players on social media, their kids play with them. That mm-hmm. I'd be like, we're starting at Starfleet Academy and we're going to build your character. By the time you finish these 10 missions, you're going to get an assignment to a ship. And, mm-hmm. and I think that would be a real um, good way. And we're going back to Michael Duxbury's again, we interviewed him um, several weeks ago by the time this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things he did was if you look at a lot of the missions he decide, the mission briefs, it doesn't again have to fall back into pew pew action. A lot of it was administrative. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is so cool. Um, and so if you if anybody out there really wants, and it's it's a free mission brief pack, so I'm not selling anything here. If anybody wants to see how to build a basic structure of uh, what we're talking about today, beyond the bridge stories, definitely they're all beyond the bridge stories. Mm-hmm. And and by the time you finish it, you find out a lot about your characters from how they like to party, what they like to drink, who they like to hang out with. Um, and to me, that's character creation, um, career, career path, uh, with not career pathing, someone career. 
Star Trek, you're supposed to have a career event. It's, a crea- <laughs> it's, it's creating career events in play um, yeah. to really enrich in your character, which I mm-hmm. think is cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the GM perspective, right? Oh, yeah, I had I had one other thought on one other thought for GMs. And I know we've talked about this before on other shows, but, you know, hey, Game Masters, uh, your players have put some effort into their characters, whether it's in their character sheet or in their backstory. If they bothered to write backstories, uh, some of them do, some of them don't. But if nothing else, they've got a character sheet full of values and focuses and career events and stuff. Um, Make sure you take some time to look at those. You know, get those players to put a, at least a little bit of effort into their character and into their backstory and into their development, assuming they're using the life path. If they're using creation and play, you may not have as much material to work with. But if they've used life path, you know, make sure you have a copy of their character sheets and spend some time outside of the game studying them and 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 look for the commonalities and look for the connection point, the potential connection points that maybe even the players don't see and uh, take advantage of some of those non-event subplot sessions or subplot scenes or something and just start throwing darts at the dartboard and just see what sticks see what happens you know maybe one character's got an interesting npc in their backstory maybe that npc is related to another player character or has a backstory with another player character and maybe they show up on the ship one day but they're not there for that character they're there for the other character what kind of tension does that create right what what kind of uh what kind of storyline can you get out of that so just you know i I always encourage game masters like the players who put some effort into their characters honor that like give them give them what they they're telling you what kind of game they want to play by the stuff that they put into their character sheet and into their character development so uh you know play into that and uh, it'll make your job so much easier because you won't have to come up with everything whole cloth right a lot of it's already there for you you just have to put the pieces together yeah. Well, let me give you some more fuel for that fire. So there was a game I played in and I was playing the captain and I purposely took two of the characters who had low con scores, like a one, and I put them on a on duty of taking the shuttlecraft somewhere. And they were like, well, no, no, shouldn't we take a flight controller along with us? No, this is called flight training. Get on, and, and and I knew there was going to be some action in there, but I purposely as a captain made the decision like, no, everyone needs to be well-rounded. So you could have some beyond the bridge thing where you t- ask mm-hmm. the people with zero to one medicine that they have to overnight man sick bay. And all of a sudden there's a breakout of Carvarian flip and it just have some fun that way too, because believe me, that will stress them out when they try yeah. to get the doc, you know, <laughs> send the doctor somewhere. So those are some creative ways you could do beyond the bridge too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I think go, go ahead, Eric. Well, I was going to say, um, I have a process for coming up with those sort of side ideas. And I was curious, um, if if you two had done this as well, but uh, you know, when I want to just like decompress and watch a TV show or or consume some media or something, it might be a short sitcom like um like How I Met Your Mother or The Office or Abbott Elementary. You know, those nice, like maybe it's got a laugh track, maybe it doesn't, but that kind of show. Yep. And always in the back of my mind, because I have a problem, I'm pulling RPG ideas out of those and i feel like that fits really well for star trek off the bridge as well oh yeah use the office for those hr situations i talked about (laughs) seriously have the admiral be inappropriate and see how the characters react (laughs) Uh i i I almost wish somebody could do an office star trek uh, or uh, you know a star trek takeoff of the office Um, well you could you know what you would do you'd put them on a star base that's all administration and bureaucracy mm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. I almost think that the office might be a little too cynical for the Star Trek universe, but I think he could, <laughs> given what Lower Decks has done, I think he could probably find that fine line in there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten enough stories at like actual Starfleet command. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it shouldn't be in like the office of the commanders. It should be like, like you said, an administrative thing. Like they're just the earth transporter administrators, right? logistics of transporting people around the planet mm-hmm. let's have a fun story with them well here's what's interesting because i've been playing <laughs> captain's log of course you know i i'm not going to say by myself because sometimes i play collaboratively jim um but i've been playing captain's log and what i've challenged myself to do is no matter what role i get try to make it as mundane as possible meaning just because i rolled that can i make it non-violent non-confrontational and create some sort of other administrative or scientific twist to it it's actually been really fun to do that because it's allowed me i'm trying to get to know my characters better and the ship better i'm trying to get as i write i want people to feel the ship i felt my first episode was very captain focused and i didn't have the setting established so now i've moved into doing that i said before i get into any more action and fisticuffs let me back it up so i really like that idea of America, maybe I should just have them parked over at an administrative station or colony. We're a colony provision ship, which makes it a little easier. Um, but I'm going to try pulling that off with my next couple games. I love yeah. it. And I just started thinking about um, uh, shipbuilding. Like, ooh, uh, oh, that'd be a, like you said, that'd be a good, like, instead of a star base, have like a shipyard. Mm-hmm. That'd be a lot of fun. Which in my, um, captain's log which i've put uh the session zero and the session one up on youtube and hopefully more uh, soon yeah (laughs) thank you um i'm playing a chief engineer and the chief engineer's like entire goal is that he wants to um test new types of ships like that's his career goal and that's where i'm heading him towards i'm like yeah some starbase or some uh, um Shipbuilding would be very interesting. It's interesting. I'm, I'm noticing too, maybe Jim, I know I, I think you also watch a lot of the Captain Logs live plays and I watched, um, now I can't remember the name, but he, he animates it where he gets clips from STO and then he drops in these cards cool. to represent, I forget the name of it, but um, I was impressed that his very first one happened on a, a colony. And the, they were there to train them how to use the weapons, but they never had to get into fighting. And it, but there was some politics involved there, and I was entranced. It was just like a really good because uh, I think you know. T- let's talk about this for a little. I think that we have these Star Trek fans. We have that deep desire to know how the ships work, and we want to know the bureaucracy. Um, I think <laughs> I said before in a previous um, episode that now when I watch Star Trek, I'm watching the people in the back. I want to know what buttons they're pressing. I want to know where that person's going, why they took a left, and who's that kid with the mom. I want to know all that. So um, maybe that's what we're talking about when it's beyond the bridge, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, going beyond the bridge, whether you're using STA or uh, Captain's Log, uh, it gives you a chance to follow those characters around the corner. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every, they're going to go do the main mission. That's fine. But what's happening over here, right? What's going on? You know, what happens in 10 forward when the main characters leave, right? So Picard and Riker go off on their mission. That's great. But I'm going to go into 10 forward after they leave. What's happening? You know, people just don't stop <laughs> their lives because the main characters have left. There's other things going on, right? So um, it's so just... Yeah, so let's talk about how to mechanic this out then, because players, I want them to learn how they can work with the game masters, as you were both talking about, to make it fun. So let's suppose I'm a player, my hobby happens to be bowling. 
Okay, and we're going to set ourselves in the TOS era because they have bowling alleys in their ships, according to the deck plans from 1975 that I have. <laughs> actual, actual physical bowling alleys, <laughs> yes. as opposed to the next gen when they just have a holodeck and you're right. good. <laughs> so, so, so there's, in fact, an article I wrote on continuing missions years ago about ping pong. And because ping pong is something that happens on our ship quite a bit. Uh, it used to happen a lot in the first four seasons, three seasons, less more recently. But what I did was I created some rules around ping pong so that if they did decide to play ping pong. We're not going to roll out every single play, but like on a TV show, we're going to come in on that last round, that one where one person is tie and you have to win. So, so players say, for instance, you're bowling and that's your thing. Can you talk with the game master and design? What are the rules for bowling control plus what, you know, uh, daring plus what, and then bring all the characters in and just have a bowling game. And I've noticed in my game, when we've done stuff like that, whether it's horseback riding or it's going to the mud baths together or hiking, their conversations are hilarious, like what they mm -hmm. get into. So what would you all say about advice for mechanics on that and players saying, hey, I want to I want to make this the opening scene or what would your suggestions be? Do they have to swap in and come in with a new focus for that game? Do we give them a focus at the beginning of the game instead of the end of the game? Or no, I, I would, I would, I mean, and this is me again. I, I'm not a fan of lots of mechanics, right? That's just me personally. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, like, just, just you know, narrate it, you know, and use lean into the flexibility of the system, like what you were saying with with bowling, right? Pick an attribute, pick a pick a discipline that makes sense. How you want to do that that thing. And then make it an opposed task or uh, make it, uh, you know, something like that. And like, you know, bowling, right? Maybe maybe someone uses daring and science to to do the the real analytical angles, but they're using daring to add that panache, right? That the, to add the flair and to add the um, to put the English on the mm. ball to to get the, the the wacky curves and stuff that they, I don't even know what it's called for. Maybe, yeah. Or, or you just maybe think before the role, maybe another player demands that they throw like a presence and command on somebody else so that they can goad them and cap on them and insult them to see if it can add difficulty, <laughs> right. like do, do a diff two of this. And if successful, the other person is distracted and they have like plus one difficulty to their yeah, role. Like yeah. there's ways you could have fun for those people who like the Ex mechanics. Yeah. Extend the complication range. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing like, you know, if you've got a spectator sport, you're spending momentum to like hype up the crowd. Mm. So like, and then the crowd like feeds back. Um, I'm picturing like an extended test and maybe like, you know, if you, if you get the crowd on your side, the resistance goes down. Right. Mm -hmm. For for a tournament style like that sort of thing is cool. Yeah. You could do American Ninja Warrior as a gated challenge, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I know some people like the mechanics. And honestly, in that situation, the reason I, I choose not to go narration on that, because I think we even oh, we played uh, chess once. One of my games, we played chess <laughs> um, between someone who has the focus of chess and so we did it and then later on again at the end of the game i talked about strategy and they were able to use chess again um in a in a, in a uh, ground combat but the point of the matter is is that we did that because then everyone got tense waiting for those dice to roll and mm -hmm. it did create a cool tension that narration sometimes can't do mm -hmm. and i yeah. mean for lots of D D games like i've fallen back on running attorney right jousts and melees and those sorts of things and you got the holodeck, like 
people can go full Renfair in Star Trek and just do that. Yeah. So if you want to go more mechanical, you can have it be a, a fight on the holodeck and it can still have that sort of like <laughs> almost like a knight's tale, mm-hmm. like sort of silliness to it because mm-hmm. they can they can play it meta and, and yeah. hilarious because it's Star Trek still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you suggest about relationships? Because one of the things mm-hmm. we talked about exploring relationships and using off the bridge to explore relationships. And I honestly think that sometimes my my players don't push it enough. You know, okay, you're getting along with everyone. That's so boring. But what would you what what is a healthy way to encourage players with say within safety, you know, to to really go for the conflict? What what do you what tools do you do to get them to agree to that? Well, if- Oh, go ahead. Oh. I was going to say, give a character they like a problem. Like, they'll dig into that. If it's an interpersonal problem between two NPCs and someone they like, like, their their bartender in 10 forward is just down and is like, oh, you know, I just can't get over this breakup. They did this thing and... And the players just get like incensed. They charge off to give someone a piece of their mind. And suddenly you got this incredible story. Love it. That's just like, um, yeah, I'd say if, if, every, if they get along with everybody, mm-hmm. pick someone they get along with and give that person a problem. Love it. They're going to be righteously indignant. I like that, Jim. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, Michael, you know, the, the, the first thing is to, you know, talk to your players at session zero or just in a check in or something and see what they're comfortable with. Right. Yeah. Some players may not like conflict. And like as a game master, Michael, I know you said many, many times you like to go for the conflict. You want the conflict. You want the interpersonal relationships. You you want the conflict. You want the conflict. And it's like, well, you know, maybe some players just don't want that. Right. Maybe they have it in real life. They don't right, want it. Exactly. In the game. <laughs> like, 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 like the game for many people is escapism. They want to get away from their job. They want to get away from the their family tensions, like whatever's going on in their world. Who knows? Um, and they're like, oh, now I'm in this game and now I've got more tension. I've got more interpersonal relationship challenges. I I like I, I get that it's life, but this isn't what I'm coming to the game for. You know, maybe. Yeah. Um, no, so, you're actually dead on right. In yeah, my previous Marvel superheroes game, I remember one person. Like, he was over at my house last month. Now he's an adult man. I mean, he started playing with me. He was 14 years old. I was 18 at the time. Now he's 30 something married. And I remember he was talking about. We were talking about RPG and what I've been doing. And he says, "You know, you stressed me out because there's a time in my life where I had so much going on. I mm-hmm. I didn't." need more problems and he said <laughs> he's, he moved to germany and all that went to school and stuff like that because i had asked him well why did you ever stop playing he's like yeah there's just time i just didn't need more problems and i was like oh that's my fault i should have <laughs> checked in and made it a little bit more fun for you so you're dead on right yeah but uh, you know I, I like i like merrick's idea like if 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 you have a player character who's getting along with everybody introduce a non-player character who's not getting along with one of the npcs and 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 so the player character isn't involved in the tension directly, but he walks into somebody else having tension and, and maybe that maybe they are his, his or her subordinates. And, and now the player character is in a position where they've got to do something about it. Right. They've got to, they've got to have a conversation with one or both of them and try to diffuse that tension or try to, you know, resolve it somehow and, and just see what happens. Well, yeah, it's, you want to go? No, I was just going to say to add that there was a situation because our ship is stranded in a whole different galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so there was a situation where there were 
three Benzite males and two Benzite females. And according to their culture, the person in authority decides who they mate and who they and so and so the captain didn't want to deal with it at that time as Captain Torres, Bolana Torres was the captain. So she deferred to our first officer and said, You deal with this. And it was just hilarious the whole episode. He's like, How am I gonna do this? So that was exactly like an example of what you were talking about, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was gonna say I was thinking of it as definitely like equal rank or at least close by, but adding that like there's your subordinate adds that interesting extra layer. But like if if they are equal rank or or not directly uh, involved in that manner, then the players I think have all of those options because they can uh, go and and march off and try and deal with it, or they can sit and they can counsel this NPC that they like, and they don't need to get into the conflict. They can just open up and do that, or they could, like you were saying, do that HR thing and like hit up the ship's counselor or doctor and say there is a problem and you need to deal with it, and like. There's so many ways that the players can choose to go in that in that um, situation that I really enjoy that hook. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I really enjoyed about playing a first officer as opposed to a captain is like the captain, of course, is responsible for all the big decisions and what's happening with the ship and the crew and how, how are we executing Starfleet's will or Starfleet's orders or whatever. But Ultimately, it's the first officer who's responsible for getting the ship and the crew ready to execute the captain's orders, right? So the XO is the one who gets to do all those personnel reviews and those personnel conversations. And when the when the department heads say, I've got a situation and I am not in a position, I'm either no longer objective or I'm in a position I can't deal with this. Hey, XO, I need your help. I'm going to take this problem and now I'm going, you know, middle management. I'm moving it up the chain. It is now your problem. Help me. And now the XO character, the XO player is like, well, shoot, now I got to deal with this. What do I do? Uh, I oh, wait, that. it's on me. <laughs> it's you, on, you just, I got to resolve this somehow. You just so made me a really, fun, way, a fun mean, way to poke the player and get them to grow a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you just created a whole episode. Like, what if there's two people who are equally qualified, but there's only one promotion available? That mm-hmm. could be a whole episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Just just two fix them. Oh, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> I'm sorry. That worked out so well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. This is great. Okay. So, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, beyond the bridge character backgrounds, um, filling out characters' backstories this way. Like if you have a character, a hobby, or a friend or family member, um, we talked about ho- using the holodeck in order to, you know, in, do it. And then relationships and interactions. So these are really good. I mean, to, honestly, everything you all said, I don't need any action. I don't need Romulans. I don't need Klingons. I don't need mm-hmm. anomalies. I could exist inside the ship and play this game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, if, if we weren't clear, I think because we were trying to be clear to what the game master can and can't do, I would say to the players, like, the, I, I know that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't even know how to phrase it. There's certain types of gamers, right? And there's certain types of gamers who really just want to show up at the session and play. They don't really do anything with the game outside of the game session. And that's totally fine, right? You're not expected to do anything extra. There's no homework. Um, What I have found, however, is that the players who are invested in the game and invested in their characters and also invested in the other characters um, often 
take it upon themselves to create backstories and histories. And they do a lot of developmental writing on their own. Uh, you know, back, th- back in the day, we didn't have Captain Zog, right? So we would just write short stories for our characters and we would just come up with all these backstory bits and pieces and we would fold them together and we'd share them with the other players. And sometimes the one player would say, oh, hey, you were on that ship. I was on that ship. So why don't we have a little short story together about a shared piece of backstory that we had that we didn't even realize until we just threw it together. Um, and then we could actually bring that into the game in a scene, right? We can be at 10 forward reminiscing about the old USS Eagle days. And we have a little moment, a little scene there, and then it carries on or whatever. But so players, you know, help your game master by giving your game master fuel for more scenes and for more subplots and for more potential B plots and more potential story hooks and stuff. Um, it is in your power. So like if you're a player and you're like, oh, I'm not getting a lot of screen time. I'm not getting a lot to do. I'm kind of bored. Take ownership of your character and <laughs> take ownership of yourself and, and like build some stuff into your character and then give that to your game master and also give it to your fellow players because your other your fellow players are there to help you and they might see something cool in your in your material and like pull on that thread and, and find ways to connect it with each other. And then all of a sudden you've got this huge big tapestry of cool shit happening in your game that you can just go go crazy with. So um I, unlike other games, I, I think in my experience, um Star Trek is really well suited to um, for for players to have a lot of agency, right? You you have a lot of control, especially in Star Trek Adventures with um, with momentum, right? You have a lot of agency to to shape how things go, and um, it's really you know however much work you put into it is probably what you're going to get out of it. So as long as your game master is willing to go along with it, as long as your fellow players are willing to go along with it, like really get creative, do cool stuff with your character, like on the screen on 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 the uh, on the page, but then bring that into the game and, and see what, what you can do with it. And just realize all your other players are going to be doing that too, hopefully. And you're just going to have so many cool building blocks to play with that you can then build some really cool stuff with. So um, don't be shy. <laughs> and I know that's hard to do. Like I'm an introvert, right? But but be willing to to get creative and, and to add some stuff for your character. Yeah, try that. I mean, I don't want to say it'd be shocking. That's not the word I'm looking for, but have something from the past that you can really bring bring forward. And you, Merrick, you were talking the longest running Star Trek Adventures game you've had so far was nine episodes straight. Yeah, that Is was that our li- that was our live streamed one. Um, okay, our our lower decks one hasn't caught up to that yet. We haven't done nine sessions. We only meet once a month, but um, and but yes, yeah, yeah. And you're preparing them ahead of time. You said so that they bring out those backstories. So for the for the um, for the streamed one I did, yeah, either one, lower decks yeah. or the streamer. Mm-hmm. So for the streamed one, uh, yeah, like I would I would come up with an idea that I would come up with three to five ideas and then put them in a spreadsheet and then people would vote on which one they wanted and then we'd pull that out and play it. Um, and uh, one of the ones that I loved the most was uh, they had to deal with some alien like horses that were in the cargo bay and got loose and there was just this great scene where one of the players uh an ensign was like he just planted his feet in front of the horse and tried to convince it to stop and it was just like you know it was just that side moment that felt like lower decks kind of two years ago before really lower decks was was going um well before the book but the show was out and um yeah, just generating a couple of ideas and I gave them to the players for them to choose from and just had a fun time. 
good. Well, ho- yeah, well, hopefully, you know, in, in this time, we've been at for about 45 minutes now talking about it. Hopefully there's enough ideas that game masters and players can glean from and have that conversation like, hey, I want to pick up on these idiosyncrasies or I want to be doing something off bridge. Um, because when I see when I look online now, <clears throat> you know, and see a lot of the players and the write ups and stuff like that, it's increasing my vantage point of the Star Trek universe. Like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, there's never enough time for me to play through all my ideas. So I'm really happy to see a lot happen in that out there right now. Um, and I think that really is creates the characters to be endearing and people get attached to the stories. If you just, it's not everybody, but if you bring in people and they're just pew pew and all that, and there's no development, then what brings them back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. What really brings them back? So a um, couple other ideas, uh, just, uh, just riffing here at this point, um, you know, think about some of the things that we see in the shows and think about how your characters could do stuff like that. And, and use that as fuel for either scenes or like opening scenes or closing scenes or just things your character is doing. These are especially useful if you are a player who can't attend a certain session and you need to explain what your character was doing while they while they missed that episode. Mm-hmm. And then they're coming back. There are no shortage of um, uh, 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 seminars. Um, um, talking things, museum things like things that your characters are going to be invited to or responsible for it like every and my, uh, nathan dowdell had a great comment at the um 100th anniversary episode he in passing he mentioned you know a character's focus in his mind because he developed the system of course he, his thought process was if a character has a focus they have probably written papers on that subject they have probably presented papers and presented seminars to luminaries in the field and, and like you don't think about that. And I wasn't really thinking about that, but I was like, yeah, you're right. Every every character in Star, Star Trek and Starfleet is brilliant in some in some capability. So your character might have been off at the you know something something institute delivering a seminar on the latest of whatever they're really good at, right? Um, so that's a good way to get them in and out. Uh, a wharf went on a couple of um, Batlet tournaments. So you're at some sporting event that you did really good at, or you did horrible at, and you got came back with a little trophy, whatever. Um, there's no shortage of field trips you can go on. There's archaeological digs. You could go to Risa. You could go, you know, any number of places for a field trip just to get away for a little while. I mean, everybody's entitled to a little bit of leave from time to time. And, you know, I'm sure that even with holodeck technology, it's nice to get off the ship, right? Just to get away and get and go field dirt or go, 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 uh, go touch grass, basically real grass <laughs> once in a while. Right. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, yeah. Anyway, so just all that kind of stuff, you know, be willing to t- to f- put that into your character, too, and use that as story material when you come back or when you leave or whatever to uh, to play with it. And of course, you know, if you if you watched any of the episodes, you can see those are great ways to 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 throw things off like, uh, you know, Jordy goes off on a on a random field trip and comes back but the person who comes back is not really jordy it's a surprise oh it's a doppelganger (laughs) that's a classic trope that you might not take advantage of it go for it one thing i was thinking of as well is as a game master you can definitely like incentivize the players with little rewards or treats Mm -hmm. and whether that's like an extra dedication or a one-time use truth or a permanent truth Mm -hmm. and like i i picture it like you know if you tell me that your character has gone and and done this talk at at a conference, awesome. I'm going to mark it down. You do that three times, 
you get a brand new truth that represents that it's on your character now and you can use that going forward forever like mm-hmm. if you want to play that way play that way break the system open and, and and give it to the players and and that'll like for the people who are interested in doing that developmental writing like you said jim uh those rewards might be pretty cool mm-hmm. I, I have one player who did doesn't really I don't want to say because his characters are very deep, but he doesn't want to get into the nitty gritty. And we are we're always um we're always uh what what do you call it, Jim? Behind the no, drop the curtain. What do you call it? Behind the curtain, behind the scenes, behind the curtain? No, when we fade to black. We're very fade oh. to black in our game. So the, the going back to the massage thing, his stick was, you know, I don't want to talk about it. And that became the stick. Like, what happened? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. And it ran the entire game. About, I don't want to. And that's kind of become the thing now is when he goes on away missions and comes back. It's like, hey, I heard that. I don't want to talk about it. And, and it's and now it's become part of the character, which is I had which I really a bad like. experience. <laughs> well, they don't know that or not. Yeah, See, that's the thing. Everyone's everyone's trying to figure it out because one time I think he came back with a hickey or something, and he just didn't want to talk about it. You know, <laughs> so uh, very fun things to do with the characters. Yeah. So so tying into what more merrick was saying uh you know there's a that's a great so you know, certainly give your character give your players rewards and uh and 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 drip feed mechanics to them um and on a on a related tangential note like as a player if you know that your value changed or one of your values changed or you want to you got a mile, milestone and you want to swap out a focus or you're going to add a point to one of your disciplines or uh, you're going to swap out points of disciplines like whatever just the just the simple mechanical fact that you're swapping one focus for another focus, like tie a scene into that or tie tie a subplot into that. Why is your character dropping their focus in archaeology and picking up a focus in astrophysics? Like what there's got to be a story there. What's the reason? Like like you I mean you may be doing it mechanically just because you want to do something differently, but it's not enough to just do mechanics, right? You got to have a story reason for it. It's Star Trek. You got to have a story reason for it. So give us the story. What, what, what do they go somewhere? And this, did they fall madly in love with an astrophysicist? And now they want to go learn everything about astrophysics so they can have some sort of conversation with this person. They get, <laughs> they got a new implant and uh, yeah. there was, you know, some Romulan tech in there. Suddenly it's all astrophysics in your brain where it used to be archaeology. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a whole story in itself. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. act one. Wow. Track down the Ferengi who sold this to you. Where did you get this? Yeah. And believe me, you know, again, I'll, I'll invite everyone. If you're out of ideas, go on social media, punch in a question, say, hey, I have a character with this focus. What could I do with it? I have a character with this value or this. We love I mean, as you can see, we could riff all day long our groups here. <laughs> so so give us more fodder. And and um, I do see people responding to it all over Facebook and Discord mm-hmm. and everywhere else. Right. So it's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a good episode. Good episode. You know, I may actually have to transcribe it into an article on continuing missions after so that we can hold on to it because beyond the bridge is a big topic with people. All right. So we do our gratitude as usual um, every every episode when we close out. So um, I'll go ahead and start. Then we'll pass it over to Merrick and then we'll close out with Jim as we do. So my gratitude this week. Now, this is a weird one. 
because I just made it up today because again, going to super fans, I have to once again, thank Nair and Kavura from star pod Trek. Um, I just, you know, what a surprise to get this in the mail, you know, and be, I mean, I was just like tickled pink and I was at work when I got it. Right. So I'm walking around and everyone's like, what's that? They don't appreciate it, but I appreciated it. And these little guys will be going with me for ever on my captain's log journey. So thank you so much. Everyone tune in to star pod track. If you haven't heard about it yet awesome. and they, and you can join their Facebook page too. How about you, Merrick? Um, mm, ooh, mm. Uh, I am going to go with uh, my wife who surprised me today with a half dozen wonderful deluxe donuts mm. uh, from wow. a place here in Edmonton, uh, which was uh, it was a surprise because uh, today was officially 104 consecutive weeks of workouts that I have done. Wow. Ooh, nice. Thank you. Doing at least one workout a week for two full years today. Wow. Good. How do you feel? I feel great. Yeah. It actually, it also lined up with the end of a six week program and I did a strength test today. So it was, it was double. It was awesome. It's good. Awesome. Well, if I come up to Canada, we'll go for a run. <laughs> oh cardio no <laughs> <laughs> I know. but believe me as you get older the cardio got it you got it. the cardio gets rid of a lot of stuff so it's oh, all right yeah yeah <laughs> all right jim oh gosh um i i want to thank all the players that i've played with over the years the players and game masters i've played uh, star trek with over the years um for being uh so fun to play with and so willing to go down down the rabbit hole uh, and, and not just do the missions, but also do all the interstitial, all the, all the side plots, all the side quests, all the random sessions where we were to, we'd play for, we, we would just riff back and forth in, in character for an hour and realize, you know what? We don't really have an episode tonight. Let's just riff for a while and just call it a night. That's okay. You know, just to get to that comfortable level where we're, we're still role-playing and we're still doing stuff in character, but it didn't necessarily have to go anywhere. Right. Cause we were comfortable. Like, Oh, we don't have to do another episode tonight. We can just like, you know, chill and, and have a good time. So just thanks to all those players and game masters. Um, I'm always inspired by them and I always try to bring that into the game somehow as I'm developing these books with uh, Michael and all the other writers, um, always try to make sure that it's, that we need to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> we, it doesn't always have to be about mission, 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 mission. There can, there can be some stuff on the sidelines here too. Um, and then of course I got to thank the fans, all the fans, of this game of Star Trek, everything else, uh, we wouldn't be doing this game without you. So grateful for your support. So grateful for your enthusiasm online. Um, like, you know, Michael alluded to it earlier. Um, we watch your videos. We watch what you're doing with Captain's Log. We watch what you're doing with Star Trek Adventures. We may not talk about it a lot, but I don't know about Michael, but like I know that I am up late, late, late working on the next product. And when I need a brain break or I need something different to stare at other than my computer screen, I'll pull up YouTube and I'll, or, or Twitch and I'll just watch somebody's video for 20 minutes, half an hour or something, zip in, zip in, you know, forward, back, forward, back, and just to see what they're doing with it. And, and just to be so excited to know that we helped create that and help unlock your creativity. So um, I wouldn't know that if you weren't sharing it. So thank you all for sharing it, right? Because I mean, this is where we are now with the technology uh, in social media and videos and all that stuff is that you can actually make something 
it doesn't have to be high tech, right? Like plenty of people have very low tech uh, systems, including my own YouTube channel. It's pretty low tech, right? One shot, one one edit. No, actually, no edit. This podcast but, is low tech. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is low tech. We do we don't do any editing on this either. So uh, um, just I'm grateful for all the fans for not just playing the game, enjoying the game, but also that you're sharing it with other people. So thank you. Don't stop doing that because uh, I am uh, I'm feeding off of that, and I'm grateful for it. Can I jump in and say one more thing? Of course, Jim. Thank you, because you dropped into our very first episode of Shadows and Starlight and just chatted and it like it gassed us up. We were having so much fun. It was like, oh, my God, Jim Johnson is here. He's chatting with us. This is incredible. And like that made our that made our night that made our week that made the rest of the nine episodes even more fun to play because Mm -hmm. uh, just that connection was was so cool so from the heart yeah, man thank you yeah America, and you know i met you by watching your stream and and you know i watched it and i was like oh man this guy's great which is why we now have you on the show and again you know i'm glad jim's bringing you into the into the family i can't say anything <laughs> <into the family. laughs> but either way uh if, for all those watching this please to tune into skyhammer press he's on uh twitch and uh really runs a really nice show and of course watching even if you wanted to learn how to play captain's log he has two great videos up there showing you how to do it real mm-hmm. real good pacing too you're easy to watch and easy to listen to so thank you merrick thank you yeah. that was very kind of you to say all right cool so until next time idic live long and prosper be safe be well we'll talk to you all next time Before we go, in the way of a special announcement, we have two great releases to talk about. Merrick, uh, you know, we just finished an episode with you. Go ahead and talk about what we can see released in November. Yeah, so um, the Cohors Cthulhu uh, actual the Cohors Cthulhu Kickstarter was running October fourth um, to twenty ninth, and so when this is out, like that's all done and it's amazing, and. You've probably seen this, or maybe you haven't, but uh, Skyhammer Press, my team, did a Colhors Cthulhu actual play. And it's uh, part learn to play, part actual playing the game. We do pop-ups, we do uh, rules, cut-ins and stuff. Same thing we did with Octon Cthulhu earlier in the year. But uh, sponsored by Modiphius, really, really cool. and. Uh, there's a session zero plus eight episodes. Uh, the session zeros, 40 minutes, learn how to make a character. And then each of the eight episodes is only 20 minutes long. They're nice, short, digestible, super fun. All right. Looking forward to that. And of course, another huge November announcement in addition to that is Derek Tyler Attico's new Star Trek novel, The Autobiography of Benjamin Sisko. We were just talking about the man um, is out this month. So please go support him again. These artists, if you want more Star Trek stories, all you got to do is support the current Star Trek stories that are out. So Derek Tyler Attico, congratulations to that. All right, Jim, one more time. I-D-I-C. Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you all next time.